Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Tim. It's a joy for me. Dr. Benny asked me to fill in, and I count that such an honor. But um, I have, uh, we have asked Brother Gordon Dixon to take the morning service, and uh, I felt that it was uh, uh, appropriate, and the rest of the staff, the pastoral staff felt it was appropriate. And uh, uh, we all love Brother uh, Dixon. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, I wanted to, uh, next Sunday, I will be in somewhere in Zimbabwe, South Africa. Uh, I don't know exactly where. Uh, we're, living, we're arriving in Zambia, and then we're going to cross over. Uh, I'm going to sneak into Zimbabwe. Uh, so uh, I don't know if I'll be quiet enough for, uh, to sneak in or not, but I'll do my best. And we're going to be there a couple of weeks. I want to thank the church for praying for us. Uh, Lenore and I are your missionaries. And we are helping train nationals worldwide through the Calvary Baptist Bible College. Years ago, I had no idea what the Lord was doing through our seminary, training nationals. And now those nationals are saying uh, they want to send their uh, nationals uh, to our school down in Puerto Rico. And um, uh, they are. And then many of them are training their own nationals. Uh, through their Bible colleges and seminaries, just like we did in Virginia Beach. And they have their own church planting ministry, and they're calling saying, come over and help us. So as long as the Lord provides and I have strength, uh, I'm going to do that. And um, I don't want to putter across the finish line. And I want to die with my boots on. So now you pray that the Lord will give me strength. And uh, I want your prayers. I will be representing you uh, in uh, Zimbabwe. And um, the Lord willing, we'll be back uh, in a couple of three weeks. So uh, just uh, keep that a matter of prayer. And let's continue to pray for our, uh, uh, our pastor and his family. Uh, I thought it also was wonderful, wonderful services yesterday, uh, manifesting the grace of God. And uh, I just appreciate uh, the family and seeing what the Lord is doing in our ministry. God is at work in our ministry. Folk, if we only knew what God was doing, we wouldn't believe it. God is at work. Habakkuk said, Lord, I don't understand all this. <laughs> the Lord said, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. By the way, the word Habakkuk means the embracing one. He was a prayer warrior. And we need to pray. Brother uh, Benny asked me uh, to fill in uh, several times while he was gone, and, on, and he asked me specifically to talk about prayer and talk about revival. Now, that's what I want to talk about. Uh, you can have, I believe there's personal revival, and then I believe there's family revival. I've seen this in my own ministry. There's personal revival, there is family revival, then there's church, local church revival, and then there's community revival, there's county revival, there's regional revival, there's national revival, and it goes like a prairie fire whenever the Spirit of God is in control of our life. So uh, I feel that we need revival. I need uh, revival. And uh, in the book of Acts, as you begin to read the book of Acts, you see uh, the, the book of Acts is uh, the Acts of the Apostles. No, no. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And they are just channels, as we are channels, to continue. And my, 
what God did through the Spirit of God when they were willingly, absolutely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. See, we've accepted a subnormal Christian life as being normal. And that's, but whenever you're Spirit-filled, people think you're an abnormal. But that's really the normal for a Christian uh, and a, a church. So my prayer is that God will help us. I want to speak to you today on uh, personal uh, revival. I want you to turn to James chapter 5. And as you're turning, I'm going to read uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and uh, verses 14. And a few verses in uh, to start with. Uh, as Solomon was dedicating the temple, built the temple for God to dwell in, and Solomon prayed and he uh, dedicated the temple and the Lord appears to Solomon. You go to James chapter 5, and I'll be there in just a moment. And it says, And Solomon finished the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all that came un into Solomon's heart to make the house of the Lord. And in his own house he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night, and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. And have chosen this place to my place for a house of sacrifice. Now, if I shut up the heavens, and as you know in Deuteronomy, we are told that when uh, God sent judgment upon the nation of Israel, generally it was because it was, there was a famine, a drought, the heavens closed, and no rain. They depended upon rain, and uh, they, they, their livelihood was a substance uh, of harvest and so forth. But if I shut up the heavens, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, judgment is upon the land. He said, if I do that, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and uh, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I pointed out to you Wednesday night, the I wills if God will. And how important it is, the responsibility of man, I believe in the sovereignty of God. But any sovereignty, any concept of sovereignty that leaves out the responsibility of man is not the, so the true sovereignty uh, of God. Man is responsible. God's sovereign, man is responsible. So what I want us to look at is that God answers prayer. God does what he says he'll do, if we will, if my people. This has been a, a, a we're in a transition at Faith Baptist Church. And God's working. Don't get impatient. Just wait on the Lord. And I can't wait to see what God is doing in our midst or wants to do in our midst. You, as you begin to, uh, to build your own personal prayer life and your family altars, in 1992, God sent a great moving of the Spirit of God. And I'm not boasting. I'm, uh, I'm just a beneficiary of His mercy. But over 600 people were saved. Hundreds uh, went out to the mission field and went to full-time service for the Lord. All-night prayer meetings. Uh, uh, sins were confessed. Restitutions were made. Uh, I, I've, 
I've saw, I saw the Lord move in a way that I'd never seen him move. Dr. Paisley came back from Northern Ireland, and he said, Rod, this is real. This is the moving of God. Will you come to Northern Ireland and speak to all of our free Presbyterian brethren and tell them what to do? That's what Jonathan Edwards did whenever he wrote the little, his little book on the moving of God, and he went and told all the preachers in that area. But uh, God moved in a wonderful way. But I cannot... And I do not know, I, and I hesitate when I say this, of maybe, let me say, I'm going to say 100%, I'll say 90% of all of our families in our church had family altar. How organized our schools and all of our uh, organizations, our Awana programs and our frontline clubs, whatever we had then, and uh, we organized everything in our schools to where we all were on the same verses. We wrote family altar uh, devotionals for every family on the same verses, same passages. So we were all on the sheet of music. We weren't all uh, jumping around everywhere. And we were all. Then on Wednesday night, I would just ask, would you come up and tell us what uh, uh, the Lord showed you and your family on Wednesday night? How about you? Would you come up and tell us what the Lord showed you, you and your family on Wednesday night? Uh, what, is, uh, uh, what did you learn in your family altar? Now, I said that to say this. There's such a thing. I saw families getting right, brothers and sisters, getting right with brothers and sisters. I saw wives and husbands getting right with one another. We could see the difference. You could see the difference in the glow of their faces and the attitudes. And parents would say, at church, they gave, or at school, they gave out very little to merits, if any. God was moving and in control. So, if, if you are satisfied with our spiritual condition, we became dissatisfied with our spiritual condition and wanted God uh, to move in our heart and, and in our life. And that was a cry of desperation. So I was telling my wife, the thing that I miss more than in my pastorate of almost over 40-some years is the hour of prayer. We spent one hour in praying every Sunday morning with the deacons and anyone else that wanted to join. We spent one hour in praying every Sunday night uh, before services. I miss that. I miss the hour of prayer that we have at, at Tabernacle. And uh, we had a time of great prayer. And we saw the Lord move. Now, I want to encourage you to... You don't hear much preaching on prayer. You have very little teaching on prayer. And simply because I think that that is our cardinal sin, prayerlessness. Uh, most preachers hesitate to be hypocritical and preach on praying when there's no prayer life in their own prayer life. And I want to encourage you to get some books. What I have done is I have uh, all of E.M. Bounds one of the greatest journals on prayer, his complete works. John R. Rice's book on asking and receiving. I just uh, went to, uh, sat down at the breakfast table this morning and wrote down just a few. Uh, With Christ in uh, the School of Prayer by Andrew Murray. Uh, uh, Secrets of in uh, Intercessions by Murray. Waiting on God by Andrew Murray. Uh, studying all the prayers in the Old Testament. My, what a blessing. 
to study those prayers in the Old Testament. Uh, and then all the prayers in the New Testament. And then uh, the, one of the greatest blessings of my life was studying the prayer life of my Lord. And uh, the greatest prayer on revival is Isaiah 63, starting in verse 15, and going through Isaiah 64 uh, through the end of the chapter. That is the greatest prayer in the, in the Old Testament on revival. Because the divisions there, I believe, started at 63 instead of, of where it starts. And if the prayer starts in Isaiah 63 and goes through the end. Study those prayers and see how the prayer starts with God, or revival starts with God. God is sovereign. So as we begin to study prayer and study the prayer life of our Lord and, and begin to think about uh, prayer, I came to the book of James and, and my Sunday school teacher, uh, Doc uh, Mullinax, uh, did a wonderful job in how I enjoyed the book of James when we went through the book of James. And it really spoke to my heart because if I was dealing with the book of James, I would uh, talk about the, um, uh, if I was going to name it, I would call it Trials, trials, trials. And the, what, how do you respond to those trials? You see, I think there's, um, as you begin to look at the book of, uh, uh, book of James, you begin to see that faith without works is dead. And your feet line up with your mouth. That's what James is saying. You know what Martin Luther called an epistle of straw, but it's not that. It's simply uh, the Old Testament Proverbs in action. It's, uh, it's the work clothes of a Christian. It's putting on your overhauls. Tim, you know how you put on your overhauls. And you put on your overhauls, put on your brogan shoes, and get out in the field and go to work. It is uh, putting practical Christianity uh, in effect in your life. Now, the greatest missing ingredients in my life and in your life is prayer. It's prayer. Well, we can't do anything else. Might as well pray about it. All we can do is pray. <laughs> Have you ever heard this? this? All we can do is pray. Oh, wait a minute. The disciples, as I studied the Lord's prayer life, the disciples said, when they heard him praying, Lord, teach us to pray. He didn't say teach us theology. He didn't say teach us, uh, I'm sure he did, but he didn't say teach us music or didn't say uh, uh, t teach us uh, to witness or teach us to sing or teach us Greek or Hebrew. Or He said, teach us to pray. Would you not have loved to heard our blessed Lord pray? I've got news for you. He's still praying. His intercessory work is going on today. I believe over last weekend, I experienced, I went through one of the most difficult times of my life. As far as I know, my brother died like he lived. And nobody in the family was saved. And I went and got into a motel room and all of the barbs of hell and all the, the arrows and the daggers of the damned and, uh, and the emotions were raging in my soul. 
And I didn't know, I, I got on my face at my prayer uh, in, the, in prayer, and, and there's such a thing as being able to pray through. I, I get through all that emotion, get through all of that flesh and all that carnality, and be able to walk into the very presence of God and, uh, and let Him just pick you up, as it were, in His arms of love and pull you up to His bosom and say, it's okay. It's okay. And here's the thought that came to me. Why should one hear the gospel twice till everyone has heard it once? My brother had heard the gospel many, 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 many times. Many times with tears. But at that funeral, 500 professional businessmen and dignitaries, very, maybe 98% of them unsaved, heard the gospel. It's okay, God in his wisdom, it's all right. And I agree with God. So we need to learn to pray. Now look in James. James is talking about, in James chapter 5, they're suffering uh, under uh, trials and persecutions. And from the uh, wealthy, they're under uh, persecution. And as they're uh, suffering through this persecution, there's some words that jump out, to, uh, jump out at us and, and just before us. And if you notice in verse 7, be patient, be patient. Uh, in verse two, long patience, be patient. Verse 10, be patient. Uh, verse uh, 11, patience of Job. Patience, patience. And others, what are we seeing? We're seeing a thing develop, and we're seeing a, the, the trials to grow. And, and you grow during your trials. I thought the other day, we learned more from the Apostle Paul in prison than we did when he was in paradise. Uh, you, uh, when you're going through a trial, grace grows the greenest in the wintertime and in the valleys. And uh, my, here they are, they're going through trial, and, and James is telling them, wait a minute now, you need to be patient and not grudge one another in verse 9. Uh, against one another, or mummer, or find fault, or complain, or gripe, or what it really means in the Greek is bellyache. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what it's meant. This is, don't grudge one another. When you're going through these and being treated, mistreated, my brethren, I looked up the word, the time that James said, my brethren, or brother, over 16 times. He's preaching to his brethren that are scattered abroad. The word scattered abroad means sowing as you would sow seed. Uh, persecution. God was doing that and allowing that. So then he says in verse 13 is what I'm going to give you to verse uh, 18. I'm going to show you seven different kinds of prayer in verses three, 13 through 18. And if I could live my life over, I would spend more time being and less time doing. 
I'd have no, by the grace of God, no confidence in the flesh. So let's look briefly. I'm going to point them out, and then I want to spend the last part of my time on uh, revival, praying for revival. Verse 13, the first kind of prayer is this. Verse 13, if any among you are afflicted, sick, or affliction of any kind, let him pray. Now, what does that say? Let him, would you underline it? Let him pray. That's individual praying. Who's supposed to, supposed to pray? You and I are to pray. Uh, you'll never pray till you get you a prayer, uh, a prayer book. This is my, uh, Episcopalians have a prayer book. Well, this is my Baptist prayer book. And, uh, uh, oh, and I have a prayer cloth. Now, you say, what in the world is that, Brother Bell? Well, I'll tell you what that is. That's two little orphan girls down in Cochabamba uh, that uh, I taught to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I pray for them every morning. And you, you have a prayer. You will never really pray until you have a definite commitment to God individually, and you pray, begin to pray for others. And you begin to pray, and then what you do, you have your prayer journal. And watch God answer those prayers. And when that one gets full, then you get you another prayer journal. I'm going to take this into Africa with me. And as God answers prayer, by the way, my wife and I, we stepped out, I needed $6,000 to go on this trip and to help the school down in, in South Africa. I'll have $6,000. I mean, I'm not, I have no $6,000. My wife said, what are you going to do? I said, you go a long ways on faith and a credit card. I mean, she said, what? I said, I'm going to get my ticket, and I'm going to trust God to sit. She said, all right. I report to you that the $6,000 is in, and I sail Monday. Isn't God good? Why? You said, couldn't he have done that before? Yeah, he could have, but that's not the way that he led us to do it. He, he could have done that. But personal, individual prayer. Any among you sick, let him pray. Individual prayer. And then there's united prayer. Let him call for the elders or the leadership of the church and let them pray. Underline them pray. That's united prayer. Now, individual prayer, your personal prayer life. And daddies, your children know whether you pray or not. Mama, do you have, and dad, do you have family altars? I mean, have family time, time to pray. My time's 5 o'clock in the morning. The first three hours of my life goes by so quickly. And then my wife and I have our time together when I'm uh, at home or when we're together. And we rejoice in, in, in the Word. And then there is um, individual prayer. There's united prayer. And then... Verse 15, and the prayer of faith. There's believing prayer. God, you said it. I believe it, and I accept it. He said, give, it shall be given unto you. Ask, and you shall receive. That's just taking God at his word. He wouldn't give a scorpion if you asked for a piece of bread. But wait a minute. So we see individual prayer. We see united prayer. We see believing prayer. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask... In prayer ye uh, shall receive. But then wait a minute. Let's come on down. 
And in verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Oh, there's the fourth kind of prayer. That's intercessory prayer, praying for one another. And I'm sure you've been praying for Dr. Benny and Sandra. And I'm sure you've been interceding uh, for uh, Pastor Vaughn and Brenda. I'm sure of that. And I, I know that. We need that. Would you please, as Paul said, brethren, pray for us. Thank you for your monthly support. Thank you for that. But I covet your prayers. I want your prayers. I need your prayers. And pray the prayer of uh, intercessory prayer, praying for one another. But then we see another kind of prayer. Uh, Praying for one another. And then the effectual, fervent prayer. Oh, there's another kind of prayer. The fifth is the effectual, fervent prayer. If fervency, intense, with energetic, without wavering, holding on to God and praying till you pray through. I'm, I'm not talking about some kind of an emotional spirit, but you know what it is whenever you can get out of this realm of the material nasty thoughts uh, and all the barbs of hell and emotions that rage against your soul. Whenever you get into the presence of our Lord and he, uh, he is there and you, are, uh, you can have a conversation with him one-on-one, it is, it's heaven on earth. And time is eternity. There's no such thing as time. As you spend your time with him and you begin to pray effectually of a righteous man availeth much. Now, I want us to look at these last three types of prayer, and that's for revival. Would you look at them? It says... For the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Verse 17. And was Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he what? He prayed. That is the sixth prayer. That is the uh, definite prayer. What did he pray for? Rain. He prayed for rain. So pray definitely. And make your prayers definitely and write it down. And then when God answers it, Brother Benny and I was rejoicing over that old pickup truck. I, don't tell him I said it was an old pickup truck. God wouldn't send him an old pickup truck. God sent him a good pickup truck, a wonderful pickup truck. And he thinks it's just one. And we were rejoicing because definite answer to prayer. And Elijah prayed for rain. So that is definite prayer. And it rained not. Elijah prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not for the space of three years and six months. That's pretty definite prayer. And then number seven, he prayed again, persistent praying. Ask, seek, knock, 
Luke 11, 1 through 13 is my favorite verses. And I think the whole context of that chapter, that passage, is God teaching us. He says, told the disciples, heard him pray, said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he gives him the story of the man that was in bed, and the man has a friend come, and he has nothing to set before him. He goes and knocks on the door, and says, don't bother me. He knocks again. He knocks again. And he knocks again. And because of his importunity, his reckless shaking the doors and said, are you going to get up? I've got to have some bread. Now, I mean, he was consistently, persistently praying again and again. And heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth, here it is, her fruit. The earth brought forth her fruit. Now, I'm going to tie this in to the early rain and the latter rain. As you know, as you study Bible geography, that the early rain in Palestine comes in the middle of October and comes from the, uh, from the west off the Mediterranean Sea and they sow the seed and it soaks the ground. And throughout that time, there are uh, spasmatically rain uh, that comes, but just drenches for several days. That's the early rain Deuteronomy talks about. Now the farmer sows his seed, and the early rain takes it down into the ground. Now the farmer doesn't get out there and, and uh, <laughs> worry and worry and fret and complain because there's no rain. Well, sometimes it snows in, in, uh, in Jerusalem and in, in that area. But there is a latter rain that comes in the middle of April. Whenever the stalks have produced and the grain is beginning to ripe and it gets the harvest, <laughs> the crop's ready to make them ripe for reaping. And it's the latter rain. Now, what Elijah did, Elijah prayed on Mount Carmel. I've been on Mount Carmel, and I'm sure some of you have. 1,800 feet uh, high, and it, uh, the ridge comes down toward the Mediterranean Sea, and there's many little uh, uh, mountains around the, that. Beautiful, beautiful scenery. Now, I don't know where Elijah was, but evidently it was pretty close. It could have been two to three miles up on one of those uh, mountains. I don't know. But where did he get his water? It hadn't rained for three and a half years. All the streams were dried up. Somebody had to go to the Mediterranean Sea and carry that water up there. And I began to read about Elijah. And call the nation to gather. So let's see whose God is God. Baal's God, which is supposed to be the God of fire, of lightning and thunder, and so forth. But so was Jehovah. God. So Elijah said, all right, let's have, have a showdown. If God be God, if Baal be God, God serve him. But if God be God, serve him. So what he did, Elijah built the altar. As he built that altar, he built it. He uh, slayed the sacrifice. By the way, the rain always comes, spiritually speaking, around Calvary. 
When our heart, the very center of revival, centers our heart around the sacrifice of the cross. No fire under it. They did the same thing. And here they danced and cut themselves and, and chatted and, and carried on uh, a half a day. And, and nothing happened. Elijah said, maybe your God's asleep. Wake him up. And he, and he taunted them. Well, they did it some more. They cut themselves. And nothing happened. And then Elijah built the altar. And from what I can find out, he put a four-gallon of water around, upon the sacrifice, four-gallon of water. He poured it on the sacrifice, upon the wood. Then he went and said, do it again. They went and got four more gallon of water and poured it upon the sacrifice. Then he said, do it again. <laughs> and he went down and got four more gallon of water. And came up and poured it on the, on the sacrifice. He said, do it again. Man, come on. And so they ran up and they got four more gallons of water and filled the trench. It was soaking, soppy, wet. And the trench around the altar, the ditch was full of water. And Elijah prayed. And when Elijah prayed, and I read that prayer this morning, when Elijah prayed, the fire came down and licked up, burned up the sacrifice, uh, burned up the, uh, the wood and the altar, burned it up on these 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And what happened? It licked up the, the water and licked up the dust. Ma. And they said, the Lord God is God. He is God of God. Let the fire fall, Lord. That's revival, folk. That's revival. When revival comes, it gets rid of all. God, what did Elijah say? He said, get rid of those 450 prophets of Baal. Bring them down. Took them down. Slow. 450 prophets of Baal. He said, Ahab, you better get in your chariot and take off or you're going to get stuck in the mud because it's going to rain. I'm going to tell you what happened. He said, you better get up and start feasting because the rain's coming. Well, he hadn't had rain yet. It hadn't rained yet. So Elijah got down, put his face on the ground before his knees and prayed. And he said to his servant, run up to the mountaintop and see if you see any clouds coming or see if it's raining, it's going to rain. He ran to the top of the mountain. Looked out over the Mediterranean Sea and said, I came back and said, I can't see a thing. Elijah kept praying and said, do it again. <laughs> he might have been one of the guys carrying the water. Yeah, you know, I don't know. He said, do it again. So he took off back up the mountain. And said, look, can't do it. Came back, said, no, nothing. Do it the third time, Elijah said. the <laughs> mountain. He did it the third time. Fourth time, do it again. He did it again. Fifth time, do it again. The guy said, come on. You know what the Lord is teaching us? Patience. Oh, God was going to send rain. Do you know why I know God was going to send rain? Elijah knew 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If I close up the heavens and judgment comes, upon you in pestilence. And I had to close up the heavens. 
If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, and then will I heal their land. Elijah was depending and trusting on the word of God. So he said to the man, seventh time, go up to the mountain, and the guy went up the patience. Seven is the number of perfection. He went up, and he looked out. He said, he saw a cloud about the size of a man's fist. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says a cloud about the size of a man's hand. What? A man's hand's five. That's the number of grace. And God in his grace was going to send rain in answer to prayer. Now, the time of refreshing comes whenever God's people will be patiently in prayer waiting on God to keep his promise. You see, you say, was well, God working, Brother Bale? I don't see it raining. I don't even see a cloud. I don't see anything happening. Every morning when I get up, I go into my prayer closet to get my POD of the day, my plan of the day. <laughs> really, I used to have a plan. I planned and planned and planned and planned and planned and planned and planned. And I had goals and I did this and that. And I think that's all right. I think you should. And I drove myself into the ground. Oh, I'd fit God in. Oh, I'd fit him into my schedule every now and then. I'd fit him in. But now you see, he has the plan. And I fit into his schedule. <laughs> and that relieves all the burden and stress off of me. So I get the plan of the day. He says, okay, you just be patient. You trust me. I'll supply. How'd you, uh, uh, my wife and I would start on deputation at the age of 70. Amen. I said, if those young wicker snappers could do it, and God, you want me to go, I, I'm going to the mission field, I'm going. So that's what we're doing. And God supplied. It's wonderful. I told you about my wife's angel, didn't I? We had a flat tire back in the mountains of West Virginia on the interstate. Hey, listen. I said to my wife, we're having a flat tire. She said, how do you know? Well, I said, watch it. The back of the tire. I said, it's rear, uh, rear tire. I said, I got to get off this interstate and find a service station. Man, I hadn't changed a tire in 45 years. <laughs> how long been since you changed a tire? Bro? <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, how long, you know, I don't you change tires. So I said, we could, I saw a little sign that said case. West Virginia. I got off the interstate. Mistake number one, don't get off the interstate in West Virginia. <laughs> Stay on it. So I got off and I went down through this crooked road and went around one tree three times before I got by. You know how it is. And, uh, and we came down to a crossroad and there was an old country store and the old gasoline uh, pump had a lever on it. Really had a lever on it. I walked into this uh, uh, lady in a calico dress and a bonnet on her head, and I said, Ma'am, do y'all fix tires around you? This service station? She said, Lord, no, honey. She said, It ain't no service station. She said, We've been closed for years. I said, well, you got to, I said, Oh, she said, That thing doesn't work. It ain't worked for any years. I went out and tried to change that flat, folk. I got my little old uh, L shaped thing, and I. <laughs> 
My wife sat up here, and she was interceding for me. Bro, I know she was praying. And it was hot, and I started pushing, and I pushed, and I pushed, and I couldn't break it loose. I jumped up and down on it. Really, I jumped up, jumped up and down, and I slipped off and skinned my shins. And I had my coat off. I was perspiring. And about that time, here come the, here came down the crooked road, a pickup truck, a gun rack in the back, a beardy-looking fella, an old boy, teenage guy, pulled over the side of the road and said, hey, Pop, you got trouble? I said, man, I have trouble. Sure have. He said, well, you get up there and sit down. You're going to have a heart attack. He said, let me fix this here tar. Threw <laughs> the back of his mouth. He said, yeah, you sit over there and you just take, take these. He said, I'll, I'll fix this tire here. I said, son, are you saved? He said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, said uh, me and my pa said, we sing in a Baptist church down We sing in the choir down here. He said, yeah, I said, I'm sometimes saved. I said, well, you know the Lord. Yes, sir. He said, I tell you, we fix this guy. We're going to get the tire fixed. He put the tire back in and put me up my spare on. And I said, I tell you, we can get it fixed and so forth. And I had prayer with him. And uh, I, he said, he was saved. We got in the car and sat down and started off that crooked road. And my wife, I looked over tears. She's not very emotional. I'm the one that does the bluebird. But she said, I saw a tear. She said, patted me on the head. She said, isn't it wonderful what God just did? I said, yeah. She said, that guy down fixed her flat. Oh, no. She said, honey, that was not just a guy. That was an angel. I said, what? <laughs> she said, that guy was an angel. I said, chewing a, a child of tobacco? She said, well, that was. <laughs> she said, that guy was an angel. She said, I've been praying God send somebody. She said, that was, an, that was one of our angels. Well, be that as it may, I don't know. But one thing I do know, but when you pray affectionately, definitely for it to rain, it'll rain. Now, you pray for God to send revival. First of all, in your heart, in your family's heart, in your home, in your church, in your community. Greenville needs revival. If my people patiently waiting on God, pleading with God, praying, oh God, send revival. Whatever it takes, we will pay the price. Lord, we want revival. Do we really want revival? That song that Brother Tim sang is one of my favorite songs. This robe of flesh, I drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize and shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. There'll be a day I'll be in his presence and I'll pray no more. But while we're here, let's have a personal prayer life. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.